0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land.
1: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk's live Texans post game show. Robert Land alongside my co-host, Sports Radio 610's Sean Bizziani. And between the two of us, 45 years combined in sports journalism, 35 years covering Houston sports. And we've done this quite a few times, Sean, and it just seems like it's, Super hard to stay awake from the tech with the Texans sometimes. I I, I don't know if I woke you up from a nap uh, during the game or anything like that, but but they did they did finish the game, honest, didn't they?
0: <laughs> they finished the game and they got their first win, man. You know, I, I laugh all the time when people talk about like, oh, this is such bad football. It's like, dude, you spend like six months out of the year like complaining that there's no football to watch, and then you finally get it. The Texans in particular in this game, it's like you can talk about the ugly football. This is typical AFC South. Houston versus Jacksonville football. This is what you expect regardless of an 0-3-1 team, a 3-0 team going into Jacksonville. doesn't matter. You anticipate this type of a game. And it's good to watch a, a W, you know, for sure. But I love the fact that the Texans defense, who we've kind of used the term this season, bend but don't break, Literally played it just that way. They bent a little bit, but they did not break. In fact, they ended up breaking Trevor Lawrence and that Jacksonville offense down pretty good in the second half.
1: The one thing that the Texans defense has done really good is they've been good good at the goal line and they've been good in some of the short yardage situations. And I can't always say that about Texans teams. So if you're looking for a positive for this defense this year, I think that's the difference that I've seen from past Texans teams. And by the way, we need you guys to subscribe, like, and comment on YouTube. That's how you can support the show. Make sure to look for our midweek show with the latest Texans, Astros, Rockets, and Cougars conversation. Don't forget. We're going to go live for Astros post game shows this week, starting on Tuesday. So Tuesday and Thursday, look for me and Steven. uh, My OG host is going to come on with me to talk a little Astros and the post game show. So let's get to this one, Sean. We like to take it possession by possession. First Texans possession, what else three and out and of course davis mills throws it five feet over cook's head on third down it's a tradition like no other no runs for Damian pierce either which was infuriating
0: yeah you know they started this thing out through the air and so you were kind of wondering what kind of game this was going to play out to be you know for pep hamilton and this texans offense cooks almost made a great one-handed grab there on that play that you just mentioned but uh you know, it looked like Davis Mills was going to have another long, miserable day through the air with that high pass, as we've seen him through the first four weeks of the season really struggle uh, with those high balls, especially
1: early in games. Yeah, he he uh, continues to. I mean, it's five weeks they've had to figure that out for the Texans. Like, what? how can we get Davis Mills to not throw the ball five feet over a guy's head in five weeks? They haven't figured it out. So next Jags or uh, first Jags possession, I should say, Texans force a three and out. Um, that's a good start. Texans possession now, third down at midfield. They go to Mister Third and Short, Scapegoat Rex, who stumbles at, at coming out of his cut, incompletion. Sean, it just looked like you know you put this thing on the turntable and it just keeps rolling around and the same old story and the same old song just keeps playing.
0: Yeah, I mean they did that a couple of times today. <laughs> Again, you know, fortunately for Damian Pierce. I think he showed enough today. They seemed to go to him a little bit more frequently. Um, Still on some of those swing passes, but he did run a couple of little flat routes today, which he came up with some good catches and one little block and release play uh, up the middle uh, on an RPO. So I I thought that was really good. I I think he did enough today uh, as a pass catcher and again uh, in blitz pickup to warrant more opportunity. And today's the first time, by the way, that we saw him on the field late in a game, and he helped the Texans. Hell, let's be honest, he won the game for the Houston Texans with a big-time assist from the defense on uh, bookended possessions there by a Texans defense that I mentioned bent but didn't break. But I, I think we're going to start to see a little bit less of Rex Burkhead on third downs uh, going forward. That's just my inclination because Pep Hamilton did talk about, like, tendencies uh, with personnel and play calls when Rex is in the game, and we didn't see that much today. Early on, yeah, sure. Um, on the first couple of possessions, there's no doubt about it. But I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what the offense looks like going forward now that they kind of were able to do some things on the road um, today. So maybe there's a little bit of an adaptation from Pep Hamilton in this offense going forward.
1: Yeah, I, I don't see what, why they're going to go away from Rex. They even got a third down conversion from him late with sure. a running play, kind of a long running play, which surprised me. But let's go to the next Jags possession. We're going to get back. To the, you mentioned what happened that late drive. We're going to get to that for sure. But the next Jags possession after two huge chunk plays, it gets the Jags out of trouble, but the Texans hold on third down, just like we've been talking about bad miss throw though, by Trevor Lawrence. He didn't look like he was anything special. He didn't look like the first overall pick in the draft any more than Davis Mills looked any good Texans next chance, third and eight, Mills actually makes a nice sideline throw to Cooks, hits him in the hand, Sean. He's got to make that catch.
0: Yeah, you know, and Cooks has had a couple of key drops throughout the uh, first four or five weeks of the season, which has been uncharacteristic for him. Um, he had one week one, and I think one in the Broncos game, and uh, another big one on this possession, as you're talking about. And, you know, again, you're not going to pitch perfect ball games. You're not going to play perfect ball games, but he's missed some really easy balls it has got to be a little kind of concerning. And I don't think it's just a focus thing or anything like that. I just, I don't know what it is. Uh, sometimes those things for a guy that you trust and have such high expectations for to be Mr. Automatic, sometimes there is no reason. And you just, he's going to catch those balls more times than not. Unfortunately, um, he's not helped Davis Mills' case early on this season.
1: You had a chance to talk to Brandon Cooks at all in the locker room in the last few weeks? Now, you know, he,
0: we don't really talk to him in the locker room because he's made available at the podium every single week, um, around the mid portion. Um, but he's more than willing to answer any of our questions and, you know, has stayed up there for 15 minutes at a time. So, I mean, we've, we've definitely had our opportunities to chat.
1: So the Jags drive down to the Texans 10 on the next drive, but the Texans get a gift when the Jags don't run the ball once in the red zone, when they get that first down. I I don't know if anybody noticed that they settled for the field goal. Texans were giving up eight yards per carry after that drive. Nothing's changed on the, on the run plays, but they, they they got it together a little bit as the second half rolled around. But after that drive, I got to talk about this, Sean, because The TV sideline reporter, and I I can't pronounce her name, so I'm not even going to try to, but she quoted Pep Hamilton on Davis Mills saying, quote, he's trying to teach him how to be a leader. That's what she said. He's trying to teach Pep is, Davis Mills, how to be a leader. Sean, I I don't know if you can teach a quarterback to be a leader. Isn't that you are or you are not? Um, You either have those you know, qualities or you don't.
0: It's so funny on these, you know, national broadcasts like this, you know, they're getting information that we've already gotten, you know, weeks and weeks in advance. You know, this is their first time talking to coaches and players and they got their little production meetings before these games and stuff. And so when I hear a lot of this stuff, I just kind of like, "Mm, yeah, whatever. Um, They have to dumb it down for the broadcast a little bit. But just in, in regard to the point, I think, yes, you're, 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 you're right for the most part. Like you either have those qualities or you don't. And I think they do believe that Davis has some of those qualities. And one of them being is that he's not a guy who gets too high or too low. Um, you want a guy that's going to be even keel and command a huddle, command a locker room. I don't think he's there yet. And they also made another mention in and around that part where they're talking about Pep teaching him how to be a leader, where it's like hey you got to talk to your guys and let them know what you expect from them. Well, they expect a lot from him as well because he is a starter. But I also think that the players know that Davis is not an experienced guy even for a rookie. Um and just given the circumstance. So I I think it's just kind of an interesting situation here but In in regard to teaching a guy how to be a leader. Yeah, I think you can. I, I I think you can. You have to be able to put him in positions. You have to be able to give him the tools. You have to be able to work with him on how to approach certain situations, whether that be on and or off the field. And so I think you can do that. Um, but look, at the end of the day, it comes down to a little bit of moxie and a little bit of grit and whether or not you're just going to be able to be able, make make the plays when the stage is the biggest, when the lights are the brightest, and when it's crunch time. And through five weeks, we haven't really seen that. Today, like I mentioned, Damian Pierce, this was his game. I thought this was an excellent opportunity for Damian Pierce to expose Jaguars' run defense that was maybe uh, sold as better than advertised. Um, or not as good as advertised. They came in today eighth amongst amongst, uh, the best rush defenses in the entire NFL, and I thought those numbers were skewed just given their circumstances and how games broke down for them to this point. So I think think Damian Pearson to Texans did exactly what I expected him to do in terms of the run today. I think it's going to be interesting to see how Davis Mills operates coming off of his first win this
1: season. Yeah, you set me up perfectly for the next drive because Damian Pierce helps him drive down the field. It was mostly Damian on that drive. They get to third and four. They decide to run Pierce. Sean, I don't know if I had a much of an issue with them running Pierce on third and four because it's not like Davis Mills is super successful on third and four, and, and Damian has been so good in, in some of these situations. But Quesenberry didn't do a good job of holding his block right there. And I want to go back to second and five scapegoat Rex gets a handoff and gets nothing. And I mean, do we only carry two running backs? It continues to be an utter joke. I don't know why we can't throw, throw somebody else in there when Pierce comes off the field for a quick blow and, and somebody with a little bit more juice than Rex, because it feels like every time Rex is in the, in the game, he's involved in the play. It's a, it's a throw to Rex. It's a run. And you mentioned this and then we just kind of feel like we're repeating ourselves, but we just kind of keep saying it because it keeps happening.
0: Well, you know, I I did just mention that, you know, Pierce – I mean, not Pierce, but uh, Pep Hamilton talked about the tendencies, which he was asked about a couple of times, once by me and once by Brooks Cabina this week, um, when Rex Burkhead is in the game and it's a third and short, third and manageable situation or a fourth and short and they're going forward, um, it's been Rex Burkhead in the game and he's either going to run it or they're going to look to try to check down to him or get him a a little swing pass or a block and release kind of pattern. Um, so yeah, I I think that's something that I noticed, um, corrected today slightly. I I thought it was a horrible play call to be honest with you on third and manageable, to be quite honest with you, because Pierce pulled off runs of 12, seven and 17 on that drive and you have a third and four. And again, you go with that tight little bunch set offensively to me, if I'm a defense, that's exactly what I'm anticipating when I see that because you're, you're not by, by, by bunching it up you're banking on, yes, your power back, your downhill runner, a guy who's certainly capable of doing that, getting you the yardage, but you have to pitch a perfect ball game in that particular snap, that instance. You have to get all of the blocks. You have to be able to get to the second level. Too much has to go right in a small space. Spread everything out. Show a little pre-snap motion. Get into the look that you want to get in if you're Davis Mills and Damian Pierce, if you're going to give him the ball, but – Just don't be so predictable. Make the defense think. And that's what I feel like Pep Hamilton has failed to do in some big moments, whether it be early or late in games. And fortunately for them in this offense today, Damian Pierce was able to do enough. And that series in which the Texans were able to eat up about four or five minutes on the clock where they were driving and Pierce refused to go down, pulled off that 20-yard run late, I mean, that really saved their butt today because if not for that drive, I really felt like this was going to be a Jacksonville game.
1: You've said this before, but I-, I will repeat it because I watched the game today. And again, I thought, where are the misdirections? Where is the creativity on offense? It it feels like I can guess what the Texans are going to do on most plays. And Sean, you know, we talk about it because I watch other games. I know what Sean McVay does with uh, the Rams. I see Andy Reid. These guys are good for a reason. And it's not because they're running the same old vanilla situations in the same old vanilla plays. I just want to see a little bit of difference in what the Texans run and and you just never see it.
0: Here's what we don't see though. We don't see the practices. Um, And I'll go back uh, just as a brief example, last week's 75 yard run for Damian Pierce. He said after the game, that was a play in which they'd run in practice and really had trouble executing it. They hadn't, they hadn't run that play right once in practice and they decided to run it in the game last week, and it goes for 75 yards and a touchdown. What we don't see is a lot of the creativity that maybe Pep wants, maybe be executed in practice and maybe be comfortable enough to use in game situations. So I think that is a problem. And that is something, too, that needs to fall on the shoulders of Pep Hamilton and this staff um, to get the players in a position, in practice, to where they are getting these reps, they are executing these reps, and they have the confidence to use the player's skills in a game situation that would benefit your offense to continue to move the chains. And that's what we have not seen. They put themselves in these very predictable situations. And to be quite frank, you know, hey, try some stuff. You know, you you called a play last week that you hadn't executed – um, you know, through the first four weeks of the season. And you got a touchdown out of it because you trusted your player to make a play. And the Texans do have players on both sides of the ball but offense in particular to where if you give them the ball let them make a play for you O.J. Howard being one of them Nico Collins being another they gave him a great 50-50 ball in this game today and he went up and got it and made a great play in a big moment for the Texans same thing with Damian Pierce and even Rex Burkhead you have to give the guys props who pulled up that nine yard third down run for the Texans I think at the time it was like their second or third straight third down conversion after starting the game 0 for 5 Uh, today you have to let your guys make plays if you're going to use them give them the ball let them make a play for you and that's how you build confidence if it's not done you know Monday through Friday in practice
1: agreed 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 Um, game tied now at three after Fairbairn's field goal Jags on offense Garrett Wallow great play in coverage a rarity for a Texans linebacker then Desmond King with a huge fourth down pass deflection King making plays all through the first half Texans respond with the drive, but a delay of game penalty on first down near the 30, basically kills the drive. They can't recover typically when they're going to get moved back a little bit during a first or second down. Then they wasted down on a worthless again, scapegoat Rex screen. That's this is Rex Burkhead. I'm, you know, scapegoat Rex is my nickname for him. So we know that three or four yards is that that's the best that they're going to do on that type of play. Mills throws it into double coverage then on third down and a pass that had no shot, Sean, just no shot. And that's going back to just what you said. Just let your guy make a play sometimes. And that one was, I think, impossible because he was throwing into double coverage. And I looked at what I could see from television and nobody else was in double coverage of any of the receivers, but he threw to the one guy on the field of the four or five receivers that that did have double coverage in that play.
0: Unless the defense is doing something exotic where they're going to drop an extra linebacker back back into coverage and, you know, only rush four or five guys. If you have double coverage in the secondary, somebody else is going to be singled up and you got to be able to find them. And whether that uh, player is able to run into some space If Mills couldn't get through a progression in time, uh, you don't know. That's something you have to go back and look at the All-22 on. But, yeah, look, Mills in that particular situation, um, it was a bad ball. It was a bad look. Uh, It shouldn't have happened. Um, And and those are situations, again, where I I think if you go back and look at the film, ask yourself the question, are you seeing the Texans run something shallow intermediate, intermediate and then deep into the field? Um, with their route concepts. And I don't think we see that all the time. Um, I, I think, you know, the bye week kind of comes at a perfect time. I know a lot of people were complaining that it's a little too early in the season, especially now we're going to a 17 game season for the second straight year. Usually the Texans have it around the perfect time around weeks, eight, nine or 10, something like that. But this might be a good step back, self-scouting, re like some things that the Texans can maybe tweak offensively after having a pretty good sample size of five weeks now under your belt, getting your first win, on what Pep Hamilton can maybe do um, to tweak some things offensively and give Davis Mills more opportunities, maybe make it a little bit easier for him. As they've said to this point numerous times, this system under Pep is vastly different than the one Uh, that was in place last year where a lot of the responsibility was on him. If they can put in some quick, faster reads for Mills, uh, then maybe they can start to open this offense up as the rest of the season rolls along.
1: Well, you've got more confidence in them knowing how to adjust over two weeks than I have, because I've seen them not adjust over one week and another week and another week and another week, week. but let's get, to the next possession after Fairbairn hits. By the way, his second 50-yard or more field goal. So that was good stuff from Fairbairn in this game. But final few minutes of the half, Jags drive down the field. They get a call. They get called for a holding. And then on third down, looked like Travis ATN fumbled after the catch. Petrie recovered, but it was overruled, called an incompletion. I, I thought it was the right call, Sean. It, it looked like he had not really got the ball. Totally in his possession by the time uh, the fumble happened.
0: Yeah, that was kind of an interesting play. And as you say that, I'm thinking back to even when Damian Pierce fumbled towards the end of the game and they reviewed that and the call stood as uh, he was down by contact. That, that even too was pretty close. I didn't think that was a bad challenge at all by Jacksonville in that instance. I thought it was close enough to where they had to throw the flag. And with this um, play that you're talking about, the Uh, pressure by Malik Collins, which was great. He made a couple of big flash plays early on, forced Lawrence out of the pocket, Kirksey forced the fumble, Petrie recovers, as you mentioned, Um, ruled an incomplete pass. You know, I I forget who the guy, the former referee they bring on to uh, uh, break that whole thing down, but he said possession, two feet, and a football move. Well, you know, the problem for me in that instance was – As he was getting his second foot down, the transfer was taking place for him to get ready to make a football move. I thought it was a catch, and he was losing it on the transfer. To me, you catch a ball, you're transferring it. It's the same kind of thing that we see in baseball sometimes. You get the runner steal in second base, the throw down to second to the shortstop, and they catch it, and... Uh, you a double play and not a stolen bag, but you know, you lose it on the transfer. Well, if you catch the ball, you know, immediately you still get that out at second, you lose it on the transfer. To me, it was kind of the same thing. And these calls are always kind of head scratchers, but you know, fortunately for the Texans, you know, did set up a 25 yard attempt for the Jacksonville Jaguars in that instance. And they tie the game, but fortunately for the Texans, it didn't go for seven um, in that instance. So they got a break there.
1: Well, I I agree with you. I would rather the NFL side on somebody catching a ball and maybe having a fumble over not, but nothing's changed over the last 20 years. They always seem to side on the, on the most, the least interesting, I should say side that they can do it. So I, I, I totally did not expect that one to hold up. And, you know, frankly, if we're going by what the NFL does on every other type of one of these plays then that was the call to make so first possession of the second half Jags walk it down the field terrible pass by Trevor Lawrence into the end zone right at Stingley the only thing Stingley screwed up was trying to run it out of the end zone John he's tackled at the one yard line
0: yeah you know uh, you could say I guess maybe a rookie mistake he got a little excited and wanted to try to uh stack a great play on on already a great play with the interception. Uh, Maybe if he's a veteran, you know, he's got the the foresight um, to where he takes a knee there and the Texans move that ball out. And uh, who knows what that drive yields after another great defensive play by the Texans, which they made plenty of um, in both the first and second half. Unfortunately, you know, which I, I feel like something that we're kind of glossing over is every single drive, Robert, that the Jacksonville Jaguars had yielded a big play. The Texans gave up, I stopped counting at seven, and that was like midway through the third quarter. I'll bet you they gave up eight, maybe nine max plays that went for 20 plus yards or more. The fact that the Texans defense gave up big plays seemingly on every defensive possession, but were able to come up with a good pass rush, a stop on a third down, a turnover. I mean, that was absolutely huge. And so Stingley, with a great job there, um, in the red zone, picking that ball. Sure, it was a mistake, but I mean, what what a just a stop to prevent a score there for the Jaguars, which could have changed the complexion of this ball game in a big way.
1: Well, Luke says in our comments, and uh, a nod to Luke uh, Loser, uh, good observation the Texans defense cannot play in space they lack the talent to cover the whole field and speaking to what you were talking about Sean and and speaking to what Luke says covering the whole field I mean Grugier Hill is a disaster I cannot imagine that there's not a guy that you could get off the waiver wire that does more on defense than Grugier that is you know just does anything because I saw Gruje Hill just running into block after block on running plays. He was not making a play on running plays. We haven't seen him do that this year. I, I don't know what he does well on the field because he's also terrible in the pass coverage and he looks extremely slow and plotting. It's like I'm watching Brian Cushing all over again. Well,
0: you know, and you'd take Brian Cushing, you know, in a lot of respects so that dude was a thumper and an absolute warrior, but you know, Gruje Hill in pass coverage today, especially, he's just a step slow with his reaction. And then he doesn't have the athleticism, I don't think, um, to make up for that and, and, and get back into space and throw a hand up and bat a ball down. You know, luckily for the Texans, they did have some guys do that today. Uh, Stingley had a, uh, the interception that we just talked about. But, you know, Garrett Wallow, who I think one of the announcers today, Gabe said in the first half, was probably the MVP of the defense because the guy did make some really good plays. And you talk about making plays in space. I mean, I don't know if he over, over committed, over pursued, rather. But Wallow showed the athleticism to correct some of those mistakes and get back into space, throw a hand up, knock balls down. Um, today and prevent some even bigger plays and drives continuing for the Jaguars. So I thought the Texans defensively, as many big plays as they gave up today, did some things that we had not seen them do uh, through the first five weeks for the first time today. And that did come from you know their linebacker core, uh, Jalen Petrie, Derek Stingley, Steven Nelson. I mean, you can kind of go around. Where's Mal- Malik Collins been? Um, I-, I thought he had a really good first half, and in the second half, Um, You know, the defense really, I think everybody kind of stepped up um, and made some good plays, but nobody more than just this Texans secondary, which um, stifled uh, Trevor Lawrence at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, we're going to mention a big play by Malik Collins in the not-too-distant future, but the Texans drive to midfield, third and short, throw to Pierce, comes up one yard short. And I don't don't have a big issue with that one. I want to see the ball more in Pierce's hands, even though he had the one drop, Later today, that was uh, uh, later in the game, it was pretty big. But would you have gone for it on fourth and one there?
0: No, no. I, I thought about it for a millisecond, and I thought this is absolutely the right call. And the number one reason was because you'd put together a twelve-play drive that ate up eight minutes and ten seconds off of the game clock, so your defense had a breather after already coming up with the big stop a couple of possessions earlier. So they were rested. You figure if you're Lovie Smith, okay, look, yeah, fourth and one, you think about it for a millisecond, but then you realize, hey, my defense is making plays. Let me put them back out there. We'll see if we can pin them deep on a punt. And we'll, we'll call it a day there. Um, I, I just thought that was the absolute right play. Maybe if you're a little bit deeper into their territory, you really consider going for it on fourth and one, but given their field position um, and the Jags big play capability that they'd shown to that point, which I believe they'd put together six plays of at least 20 yards um, at that instance, it was, it was absolutely the right call.
1: Jags next possession. They drive to the 38 when they go for it on fourth and one. Here he is, Malik Collins, comes up with a big stop. So now it's Davis Mills in the fourth quarter. I'm so excited. What, what's going to happen? Nothing more. Texans fans get excited about the Davis Mills in the fourth quarter. A sack basically kills the drive. We know the Texans can't lose yardage and get a first down. They go to scapegoat Rex on third and long. So basically, if you're going to scapegoat Rex on third and long, Sean, just punt it. Just punt it, right? There. Punt it on third down. Just punt it right there.
0: Hang, all right, David Cully. Jeez, calm down with that. I saw you tweet that during the game, and I was like, "Come on, Robert." Um, hey, textbook Texans, right? You take an eight-yard loss on a sack on first down, and you put yourself in a third and long situation, and there's nobody open down the field. So of course you're going to have this check down crap with Rex. Uh, it's just, it's. You got to get rid of the ball to somebody. You can't take another sack, and you don't want to throw the ball away in that instance. I mean, you want to try to get the ball to somebody, and maybe they can make a play. Um, you know, how, Rex how about dude. go?
1: How about for once in the in a, in a blue moon, throw the ball deep down the field outside of? I think that big play by Nico Collins late in the game. There was zero throws. Past twenty yards down the field in this game, there were no deep throws. Just give it a shot. I mean, what's an extra five or ten yards for a punt right there? You've got a great punter. Um, the, the Jags aren't exactly a juggernaut offense at this point in the game. Just g- give your guy a shot. If you throw it down the field, and, and you know what what happens if there's a pass interference, you you have things that can happen that are good. And we saw a pass interference that the Texans picked up late in the game at Nico. Thankfully, caught the ball. Great catch, incredible catch. But I mean, give your team a shot to make a play. And that's what the Texans never do. They don't, they won't throw it deep enough. They don't want to uh, make throws that, you know, you give your wide receiver a shot to catch like that. All of that happened in that one particular catch later in the game. But where is that the other four and a half games of the season?
0: I don't know. We got to go back and look at the film on that play because maybe the Texans did run something. route or two that was uh, deeper down the field and they were looking, um, you know, for a first down in that instance. I mean, your first option on a third and long is not, I can't believe Rex Burkhead. I mean, that was a situation where Mills probably had one guy in mind, didn't flash open. Let's get rid of the ball, give it to Rex and, you know, call it a day. Let's maybe he makes a play. It looked very
1: designed though. And most of his plays look like that's the first option. I I guess that's my point. And I I also
0: think it's this, I mean, it's going to look like that, Robert, if in fact you don't have a quarterback and and this goes together, you know, if you have, if you don't have an offensive line, that's going to give ample time on a third and long situation for him to finish a progression. It's going to look like it's more of design because maybe Mills didn't get an opportunity to finish his progression. That instance, maybe, Uh, Pep Hamilton, and maybe Davis Mills himself doesn't trust that uh, he can look beyond his first two progressions and scan a field. If that first guy's not there, boom, let me check it down. And that's a problem.
1: Well, the first option, if you're going to go deep down the field, should be that. And then if it's not there, you got Rex out of the backfield or whatever. But just too many times, I don't see him go to a second or third progression. That is not Davis Mills. And that's why. Among a billion reasons why I have no confidence in this guy going forward. But let's get to the good Rex, uh, get, get to the good Davis stuff, because Jacks go three and out. Texans get a couple of great catches from Nico Collins. Collins, the one that I mentioned, another big catch in that drive as well. They get a massive personal foul penalty. Thank you very much. Jacksonville, huge third and 10 catch by Jordan Aikens in that drive. And then Damian Pierce with the run of the season, the run of the game, the play of the game, just wow.
0: He's stacking them up, isn't he? I mean, the 75-yard run last week was the play of the season for the Texans. Um, in, in general, I think, outside of maybe that Nico Collins catch that Davis Mills made, uh, that 58-yard strike, and then that uh, touchdown to Cooks in the game last week, but or maybe it was the week prior. Um, but sure. Uh, Here's the thing, though. Before that Pierce run, that maybe doesn't happen if, in fact, the Texans aren't able to overcome a a little adversity. You know, Dorsett was called with that BS holding call, which put him in a tough spot. There was that miscommunication between Mills and Howard on a route. It looked like Mills thought Howard was supposed to run a curl towards the sideline. Instead, he stayed upfield. So that was a miscommunication there. That put him – um, you know, in a bad position, and they were the beneficiaries of that roughing the passer call it personal foul on the Jags, which was huge. That set everything up. Then you had a little breathing room. You know, you fit one into Collins, and then you uh, find Aikens on the sideline for a first down, and then it's pierce time. And I, I thought all of those things for the Texans to be able to come, overcome some of those adversities um, in that particular possession, I thought that was huge. That set Pierce up, and Pierce. That dude, I told you, I think after week one, by season's end, we're going to be talking about one number in particular with Damian Pierce, and it's not going to be a thousand yards rushing. It's going to be yards after contact. And they flashed a graphic up during the broadcast today 310 yards or 313 yards coming into the day's game on the season for Pierce. 301 of them were after contact. I wonder what those numbers are today because that guy in that Twenty yard run alone, Robert broke five tackles. Maybe you make an argument for six, you know, on that last little um, uh, pile that he bust out of. That guy is absolutely incredible. He is a star. I don't care. Um, the guy, the guy should run for well over a thousand yards this season, regardless of what the Texans continue to look like offensively. If they don't give him the ball, they're doing it wrong
1: the only reason I'm watching the games anymore is because I want to see what Damian Pierce is going to do with the football. And speaking of, you mentioned there were some overcoming some stuff in that drive. The Dorsett penalty, I thought, was real questionable, like you said. It just felt like they were getting nitpicky for some reason. And there was the Titus Howard. Wasn't it that drive where he gets called? for a procedure penalty, but he jumps back after their guy jumps into the neutral zone over the center. I mean, that, that yeah. was the initial thing. And, you know, when you jump in the neutral zone, the play should be over with at that point. Uh, especially when you're right over the center. I just thought that was just a no brainer that they were going to give this, the, the uh, nose tackle for the Jags, the, the penalty right there.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. And they even made mention of that on the broadcast. Uh, you know, I thought, uh, Feely did a really good job in his analysis today. Um, he said the same thing with the door set. The problem is, you know, for for players, everything is kind of bang, bang. In an instance, you know, for the referees, some of that stuff is very bang, bang as well. When you see a player's hands get outside of the shoulder pads, you're going to throw your flag nine times out of ten. Um, the problem is, are you able to slow your brain down you know, compartmentalize what you're seeing and understand that a 175 pound Philip Dorset is probably not leveraging himself in any type of way against the 320 pound guy <laughs> in that instance. Like, that's just not a hold. He didn't move him. He wasn't moved. It was a quick grab, bang, bang. And that was a BS call. 100% right on the neutral zone, which what should have been a neutral zone infraction. And I don't know if it was the back judge, you know, somebody fell asleep at the wheel there. But that that flag should have been thrown uh, before Titus Howard's uh, false start flag. Uh, was thrown there's no doubt about that but those are the kinds of plays that we talk about on a Monday morning that could be a difference in a win or a loss and the Texans were able to overcome some of that and some miscommunications to their own doing offensively and get the ball to a guy that they had not been able to give the ball to late in a game in those kinds of situations for five weeks Robert Four weeks leading up to this one, and that's Damian Pierce. This is the first time all season that the guy's been on the field for a meaningful snap inside of the six-and-a-half-minute mark in the fourth quarter, and you did exactly what you're paying the guy for. That's why you signed him to a four-year, $4.5 million contract, because you know what kind of runner he could be. You know what you saw him uh, show in Florida on uh, limited carries, and you've brought him along solely enough. What he did in blitz pickup today as a pass catcher out of the backfield and pass protection and running the Rock against the eighth-best team against the Rush statistically, they certainly didn't look like it today as Damian Pierce you know, made them look like absolute frauds uh, for a couple of those runs, that 20-yarder in particular. The Texans should have a, a big-time boost of confidence in Damian Pierce and what he can do for his team late in games.
1: He also made a couple of big – blocks in the backfield and one of those times he makes a big block in the backfield they still get the sack but it wasn't his fault because there were two guys running free and this offensive line you said a little something about the offensive line not giving davis mills protection i think they do a good job i mean i to me davis mills gets happy feet too often he gets a little bit you know nervous in the pocket we didn't see that as much late in this game thankfully he wasn't doing that but the offensive line, again, I thought, had a really good game. And, and there was the bogus call on Titus Howard. And otherwise, you didn't even think about the offensive line. And there's a reason, because they were doing a darn good job. I, like, I thought Quisenberry, you know, st- he's still a guy that you worry about, but he's your backup center. And that's what's going to happen with the backup center. So Pierce gets the one-yard touchdown. It comes down to the Texans' defense. Jags at midfield when Rasheem Green... Knocks down a third down pass. Then Trevor Lawrence misses a man deep on fourth down. Really, I don't know what he was doing on fourth down, but we'll take it. Derek Stingley had that guy blanketed. And the only thing – I just want to say this about Derek Stingley. The only thing that frustrates me about Derek Stingley is when I see him in zone coverage because you're wasting one of the best cornerbacks, I think, of the future – by having him in zone coverage and not having him in man, because he's been great in man this year, except for like, there was a couple of hiccups maybe in that Broncos game, Sean, but otherwise, I mean, how many times have you seen him get beat in man this year?
0: I mean, it's been very few. You'd have to really kind of go back and look and think about it. But I mean, the guy's been very, very good, Um, you know, and to battle through, What Lovie Smith was calling a bruise. Stingley was in a brace all week at practice and limited at at some point. Um, Did even practice in full uh, with a brace on in practice this week. For him to go out and do what he did, uh, I I think today, to have that kind of a game and to show no limitations whatsoever with that left elbow, shoulder, whatever it was, if it's a a hyperextension, maybe we'll never know. But that guy's a tough sucker, and he's a baller. And you can tell he's he's really kind of starting to find his way each and every week. You know he's doing something impactful and different and taking a step. And I think that's that's really cool to see. Um, you know, in terms of like, are you wasting the guy? You know, by having him in his own coverage? Look, maybe maybe Lovey Smith, you know, takes this week. Um, to evaluate some stuff through the first five weeks of the season and sees that, you know what, maybe you're right. You know, maybe we can do some different stuff with Stingley. Maybe play a mix zone coverage, so to speak. Have zone on one side and, you know, man Stingley up on the other and show some different kind of exotic looks. Maybe the Texans were going to feel more confident with their capabilities to do that when they get guys like Christian Harris back. Mario Addison made his Texan debut today. They're supposed to get Tavier Thomas back pretty soon. So maybe they have some guys they can input defensively to where they can give some different, more exotic looks, kind of like we saw in the preseason. You know, with Tavier Thomas in particular, you know, coming in as a nickel corner, playing real close to the line of scrimmage, and him and Petrie, you know, switching men bringing Tavier, you know, on a safety blitz or or a corner blitz and letting Petrie take that slot receiver. Uh, Man, maybe we see some stuff like that. That's what this week is for. That's what you got to use the bye week for, to get guys healthy, but also do a lot of self-scouting and make some tweaks and figure out some tendencies that maybe you're doing and not doing defensively that could help your team down
1: the road. Yeah, it's worth saying again, because I did mention Desmond King earlier having a big game. Nelson had a really good I mean, Nelson has been super solid. You don't hear a lot of bad things with either one of those guys, and you've got Stingley doing what he's doing. So the cornerbacks overall, I thought, have played really well this year and the safeties. And it's that side of the defense you're not worried about. It's 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 the it's the linebackers and the defensive line getting something done. And there was no, you know, we haven't mentioned it. There was no Jonathan Grinard, and I don't know if Sean, you noticed that he was not on the field because you don't really notice when he is on the field this year, unfortunately.
0: You know, uh, we actually on Friday spent about 30 minutes talking to Grenard in the locker room uh, before we left um, as a media. And uh, yeah, he was, he was, didn't practice. He had a DNP this week, you know, uh, was limited in practice with an ankle injury, but there was really, I don't think any concern that he wasn't going to play. I was, I was kind of shocked. Um, by him not making the trip to Jacksonville and playing with the team Um, because he sounded good, looked good, seemed to be moving around okay, nothing too cumbersome. But, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like a guy coming off of a team-high eight, eight eight-and-a-half sacks last season supposed to be, you know, another stepping stone kind of year for Gennard to really entrench uh, and make a name for himself with this defense and help bring some of the younger guys along. Yeah, yeah. this Texans defensive line today, you know, without him out there, I thought really stepped up and made some plays and they got a little boost from the linebackers. Um, you know, uh, Garrett Wallow really, I thought had his best game to date as a Houston Texan by far in a small sample size. And maybe that's a guy, if he can stay healthy, Robert, that can help this team. Uh, maybe he does have the athleticism to be a more, uh, uh, guy that can make some plays in space and swallow up some of those gaps in the intermediary that the Texans have been burned in so much. And they look, they got burned today. Um, but the more healthy bodies that they get back, Robert, you know, Christian Harris, Tavier or Thomas, um, Mario Addison, look, who I don't know what exactly they expect from a 35 year old 12 year NFL vet, but a healthy body is a healthy body. And, uh, 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 a bulldog is exactly what he is. If they can squeeze the last little bit of juice out of him, you know, for a few weeks, then that would be a good thing because it's, it's at the end of the day, you're trying to put these young players in position to make plays. Okay. We could talk all day long about, Hey, this team is not trying to win, blah, 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 whatever. I want to see the dudes that are going to be here for the next four, five, six years and beyond be in position to be able to make some plays and give us something to be excited about. And before today, there was really only one one or two of those guys total, um, you know, offensively, Damian Pierce, Kenyon Green. Defensively, I mean, my gosh, Derek Stingley and Jalen Petrie had stolen the show. I kind of like what I saw with Garrett Wallow today. And there's some other guys um, with that defensive line, Roy Lopez, uh, Kurt Heinish. I want to see what those guys can do, if they can stay healthy for the remainder of the season, what impact they can have. Um, on this organization
1: going forward. Can you see me? I know I'm going in and out. You see me. Okay. Can you hear me? Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. I I see my videos going off and on, but uh, Nico Collins, four catches, 64 yards, Davis mills, not much 16 for 24, 140 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but Sean, I mean, the, those guys came up big when it mattered. And that, that's something you can take positive and maybe some confidence going into the next couple of weeks. Yeah, no question.
0: No question. You know, Nico Collins, um, he's not a guy that's caught 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 balls for the Texans, you know, in a game this season, but he's come up with big catches. And I think that's a big time confidence booster. It has to be. He talked about that this last week, what that 58 yard bomb uh, meant for a confidence boost for him and Davis Mills. And he was like, dude, we know Davis is an athlete. Like, we know he can make those throws. We just hadn't seen it in games. And he gave himself a shot last week, and it it he made good on it. Gave another shot in a big situation today and made good on it. you got to be able to go to other guys not named Brandon Cooks and Rex Burkhead in, in situations when you need it. And maybe it's games like last week and this week, and getting a dub goes an extra long way. Going forward, that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, the Davis Mills – line is not good, but the thing that mattered, fourth quarter, finally, he shows up in a big drive and he makes some throws. And And the big thing for Davis, like we said, just throwing to Nico and saying, you make the play. I don't need to do it. Maybe my hour, you know, four guys or try to make this and in- thread needle, just give you a chance. And that's what he did on a couple of those big plays. 100%
0: hundred percent. And, you know, let's let's see what they can come up with after a, uh, a week off uh, with this bye week and getting ready for the Raiders. And let's, uh, you know, they continue to play close competitive games and they made enough plays today to come out with a W. And so I want to see how the, the young guys and the rookies take that and going forward.
1: Yeah, that that'll uh, do it. The Texans finally get a W. They get their first win of the season, moving to one three. And one, they get a bye week, so we'll do the live show in a couple of weeks. But me and Sean are going to come back and doing our midweek show. Like I said, the Astros postgames are coming up. And uh, looking really forward to that a lot. Uh, it should be fun. Um, stay with us for all of that on Houston Sports Talk. We'll talk to you guys real soon. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.